Welcome back to the Bearcat Bounce Podcast, BBP. Brent Young and Aaron Smith. Aaron, how are we? Listen, man, I mean, I know it's Sunday, and I know we are here to talk about college football, but I'm a little down watching that Bengals beat down today <laughs> at the hands of the Ravens. It was woof, woof. Well, there's this guy I know. He uh, he actually went to Twitter saying <laughs> this is – this is varsity versus JV, and it uh, definitely has that feel to it. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, there's <laughs> no other real way to put it. It just – you feel bad for Joe Burrow because you see him last year, you know, and I feel like it's okay to bring him up as he considered Cincinnati as one of his final two schools that he was going to transfer to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, you see him last year at LSU putting up Madden-esque numbers – Right. In college. And then you see him behind this atrocity of an offensive line that Zach Taylor and company have put in front of him. And you can't help but feel bad for the kid because he's getting hit at an alarming rate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it seems as if it's a – if you build it, they will come. We'll see. A uh, little little system involved. We'll, uh, we'll get to a, another system that we know – very well in John Brandon's system here later in the podcast as we dive into some basketball. But yeah, you know, the, the sad side of Cincinnati would definitely be today the Bengals. But the bright side of Cincinnati, how about the Bearcats back in the top 10 for both the coaches and the AP poll, 10th in coaches, 8th in AP. Aaron, the last time they did that, they ended up having a pretty doggone good season back in 2009. I believe we ended that season at the hands of Tim Tebow, if I'm not mistaken, yeah? Yeah, you, you know what? It's it kind of <laughs> is terrible to the point where you go up against Tim Tebow, who a lot of people have on the top 10 college football players of all time. Yep. You're going up against him on his final game of his entire college career. So, you know, kind of just seems like it's a hand that a lot of Cincinnati sports are dealt, but still. That is a team reached the top of a number four in the nation. They were a, a missed field goal away, or if they would have let the time run out in the Big 12 championship game away from playing in the national championship, this team this year has a lot of aspirations for uh, kind of the same thing. People are wearing those rose-colored glasses again, thinking, eh, college football playoffs, eighth in the nation. It's in sight. Well, the funniest thing about the funniest thing about that is those are the same people who are just week in and week out calling for Ritter to be on the bench, and all the kids done in the last two three years is just win games. So you you can't really, I don't know. I mean, which, which is it? It, it? It does he need to get thrown to the wolves? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, is I, it is it the Ben Bryant era yet? I don't. I don't know. You know, we could, we could spend another full podcast going <laughs> off about that. But, you know, we're not going to let this one get derailed. We're going to keep it on point with this one. We have a lot to get through today. Football recruiting, we're going to talk about, you know, of course, the, the scores from around the country, Bearcats' best bets, and, of course, basketball. But, yes, the quarterback situation, we're not going to shy away from it. It is something that needs to be worked out, which starts this upcoming Saturday at Tulsa. It's going to be thrilling to see what has happened in the two weeks that have passed since that victory against South Florida. Because Tulsa, as, as you've been covering the AAC fantastically, I might add, Aaron, Tulsa is a team that 
the Bearcats cannot take lightly. Well, and Cincinnati's only open, at least what I'm seeing right now, I don't know if, what it opened at uh, around noon today, when the, uh, right around the same time the polls came out. But as I see it right now, Cincinnati's favored by four points. That's not much of a spread at all. And you can't help but wonder, is this all because of Des Ritter? Yeah. I, you, know, you know what this is kind of is? That spread that you see come out right away, that four, that four and a half spread, that is begging you to see a team in the top 10 against an unranked team and begging you to put money on Cincinnati. But it's also saying, hey, listen, this is actually going to be an exciting game. Uh, it's, it's tough. And, of course, on Bearcat Journal, we're going to dive into that game to its entirety throughout the week this week. But, you know, this Tulsa team is, is one that, sadly, the whole entire storyline of playing the number 11 team in the country for all their games up to this point comes Fine. to an end. Yep. Sadly. That would have been fun to have it be 11, but, hey, we'll take number eight in the nation. For sure. Tulsa is a team that last year, if you remember, before we went into a bye, really gave the Bearcats all they could handle. It wasn't for the play of the defensive line, an interception late by Derek Forrest, and in the play of Jared Dokes, that, that's a game that very well could have been a big upset for the Golden Hurricane coming into Cincinnati. Now you go to Tulsa, and all those players have that in the back of their minds, remembering how last year we kind of had the Bearcats on the ropes. Well, and I don't think you can – think that these students aren't first off don't have that in their minds but second off they're looking at Cincinnati kind of looking at at their chops right now it's number eight team in the nation we went to the ropes at the very end lost the game to Oklahoma State you know they 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 took the game at UCF so yeah of course they're looking their chops thinking we get a win against a number eight Cincinnati even if it's at home this time that's got to put us in the top 20 right now I, in, in the way that you look at it as well, Tulsa, I, I mean, that UCF-Tulsa game was just horrendous. Uh, so many flags, you can build yourself a little quilt and, and have a nice night's sleep. <laughs> so many, uh, you know, turnovers to the point that we were talking about the beginning of the Cincinnati-South Florida game last week. Apple turnovers, cherry turnovers, every single turnover you can have, just gobbling that one up. But this is the beginning of a four-game stretch where – the whole national pundits, everyone loves to talk about Cincinnati. They kind of shied away from it during Army Week. Now they're back on the bandwagon. But these next four games, Aaron, you're talking at Tulsa, at SMU, versus Memphis, and versus Houston, all those latter two at home, all those games kind of make or break the season. And then, of course, you have that showdown in Orlando later on in November. Yeah, it's uh, like we talked about last week. It's quite the gauntlet that we're coming up on. And, uh, you know, you can't look further than every one of these games. You have to look at only this week. You can't look ahead of pretty much any of these teams until you get to maybe an ECU game. But, again, let's not forget what happened to ECU last year. Yeah, at ECU was the uh, longest game of my life, first off. (laughs) Second off, as I mentioned last week, was at a wedding, and it simply ruined the wedding. I was sweating, and I hadn't even hit the dance floor yet but that's a different story for a different time. You're looking at at SMU, if you are looking forward, sure, that Tulsa game, utmost priority. At SMU is looking like a possible top 15 matchup. Memphis could hop into being ranked again if they are able to take care of business against UCF this weekend. Houston, all of a sudden, they've got a big game this weekend going up against BYU. If they're able to win that, string together some wins along the way. By the way, 
Yeah. I told, I told you to hammer Houston in the over. Oh, and? Nailed it. <laughs> you did nail it. Yeah, I, but but those next four games, Aaron, I, that is going to be the measuring stick, the barometer, if you will, because the, the first three games for the Bearcats that they played, if you look back at it, I, I mean, USF just got throttled by ECU. Army beat Citadel. Not anything to write home about. And then Austin P just – They've got a great Twitter handle. Let's go pee. That's about it. <laughs> so this right now is the time to really show. And, and I kind of like the bye week right now, right before these big four games, because it's, it's a reset button time for the Bearcats. It's a chance to say, hey, you know what? We did this, but let's throw all that away. This is a brand new season, as you mentioned. Well, and I hope that we see some different things both on both sides of the ball, to be quite honest, that we haven't seen against some of these. You know, Army has an offense that you have to prep for in and of itself separate from pretty much any other team that you're going to face the rest of the year. With that said, though, you know, I hope we didn't throw things at an Austin P that we're going to throw at an SMU, at a Tulsa, at a Houston. I mean, it's a, it's a different animal now that we're entering conference play. And pretty much this is going to make or break. Every game is, is more or less a playoff game. You want to get in the college playoff, your playoffs start right now. Yeah, I – you see the rise with, with no games played. That's normally a recipe for Cincinnati to either stay where they are in the rankings or fall. But we saw with a lot of ranked losses this past weekend, Bearcats actually rose up. So what happens if they string together some big wins? And, and honestly, a big win at Tulsa this weekend is huge because that following weekend is when the Big Ten comes back. And if you're able to stick a, a, a top seven Cincinnati against SMU, if, if they're able to pull off a win this weekend at Tulane, all of a sudden, that's the biggest game on the slate. Even though it's the return of the Big Ten, that game of Cincinnati at SMU will be the biggest game of that slate. It, it is imperative to win at Tulsa, though. So that's going to be something we complete, completely nitpick all throughout the week. But Aaron, the the prospects of the coming up schedule is just beyond important for this entire team. Absolutely. And, you know, everybody talks about Cincinnati doesn't get respect. At the end of the day, you have to play the schedule that's put in front of you, first and foremost. And second, you have to win the games that you're supposed to win. Tulsa, while it's a, a tough game, don't get me wrong, and again, I don't think you can look past this game, but you have to win this game if you yeah. want to be considered a top 10 team. You have right now an eight. See, like a, you have an eight rank in the nation. I'm honestly thinking that's probably still a little high considering we don't know what we have in this offense right now. Again, we talked at, at nauseum really last week about how much better the defense is than the offense and how it right. just kind of all gels together. But if you want to be considered in this conversation with the upper echelon teams, you want to make a case for yourself being a power five team, even though you're in the group of five, you have to win these games. So there's really no excuses outside of just winning against Tulsa, and then you move on to next week. Yeah, and, and both teams coming off a of bye, that'll be another storyline to watch out for. You know, obviously Tulsa put a lot on tape because they, they really went all out trying to beat US, UCF at UCF. And then, of course, Cincinnati, as you mentioned, maybe they didn't really show the whole entire profile that they've got. Maybe these, these off weeks are a good reset for not only – the team as a whole, but maybe it is a good reset for Desmond Ritter. And, and of course, maybe Alec Pierce does come back 
this upcoming game. I haven't heard anything contrary to that yet. So, it, you know, it's, it's something that to continue to monitor, but it is great to be back in the top 10. It is great to see that, that single digit number in front of your name when it pops up on ESPN, when it's going to pop up this Saturday, it, they'll be highlighted on college game day. They're going to be talking about, all right, who's going to win this game. It's so, but right now, as you mentioned, win the game in front of you and this AAC though, it's pretty good. You're looking at a lot of teams, borderline ranked teams. You've got that SMU ranked right there, number 17 in the country. Mm-hmm. Of course, that UCF Memphis, I think the winner of that game this weekend will be back in the top 25 that following week. But let's look at some of the action from this past weekend. Now, Aaron, you made a lot of people rich if they were to follow you with the one game that happened on Thursday night. Tell us a little bit about that Houston Tulane. First off, that's three in a row. I've hit, I've hit three in a row. I'm I'm just going to start keeping track now. I honestly wish I had taken my own advice and laid money <laughs> down, but that requires a drive over the state border into your neck of the woods, sir. Or a quick text to me, and I got your back. <laughs> Hopefully the FCC is not listening or whatever. But anyway, go. So so Thursday you had Tulane at Houston. Like I said, take Houston. I, I think it was only a single digit. Houston ended up winning that game by 18. Houston had a lot to prove. They hadn't played a game yet. They had had three or four games canceled because of 2020. We'll just yep. say that. We'll call uh, that. <laughs> but they had a lot to prove. And Tulane, you know, they haven't shied away from, you know, putting it all out there either. Uh, but Houston did what they – everyone ex- – expe- I mean, I expected them to do. But we've, we've seen high-flying offenses before, 49 points. That's a big day. It's more than Cincinnati's put up on anybody. Um, Houston's going to be an offense to look out for, I think, the rest of the season, to be quite honest. Outside of that, though, you had Temple at Navy on, uh, on Saturday. And Navy only won because they stopped Temple on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Um, I didn't expect Navy to win this game because Navy didn't honestly look like they knew their head from a hole in their butt. It's been, a, <laughs> it's been kind of a mess of a season for Navy. Um, they, they've been honestly all over the place as, uh, sitting at two and two, but their wins this season have come at Tulane by three, um, and now at Temple, but they also got throttled by Air Force by 33 and they got destroyed by BYU to, to start the season. So I don't know who Navy is. I'm not sure Navy knows who Navy is. All of a sudden they're running, uh, just running the ball as they, they pretty much did the entire game with 251 yards rushing and only 48 yards passing. Right. Um, just, a, just a weird game. Uh, and then the other action that you saw, because there were only three games, uh, East Carolina at USF. East Carolina put up 44 on South Florida. And this is a team that Cincinnati struggled to put points on the board against South Florida. So uh, apparently they're still going going with uh, Jordan McLeod that we saw at, towards the end of the game uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, so they did start or stop really uh, going through that, trying to figure out who their quarterback was. Uh, I think Chad mentioned it. I I'd mentioned it last week. Um, you may have mentioned it as well, but I, I think it was a pretty general consensus that McLeod was should be their guy anyway. Yeah. Um, turns out he he is, but. Uh, Still not enough to win a game. So USF, they're they're starting the season now one and three. ECU got their first win now one and two. Not a whole lot of action this week as there were only three games. Uh, but next week we got six games and 
The only game that is not uh, interconference play is uh, BYU at Houston. So hopefully Houston gets another game in. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, a uh, lot of action, uh, intra-conference. Yeah. You know, and, and you mentioned that Temple, uh, another interesting circumstance where, like Houston, their first game of the season. So, and you go up against a triple option attack of like Navy. Interesting. ECU was kind of always the team that I liked the way that they looked last year at times, starting to air it out a lot and really a strong offensive play that they brought. So, you know, but as you mentioned, kind of a lackluster slate of AAC games, but good to see Houston get off on a mark because now, I mean, that Houston-BYU game is, is mammoth for the AAC. It's, it's a chance for the conference to pick up possibly the biggest out-of-conference win this season. Well, and you got to figure if Houston can knock off a 15 BYU, the more, honestly, I mean, the more ranked teams we can get in here, especially before the Pac-12 gets going, especially before the Big Ten gets going here in another, what, two weeks, I believe, from, right. from uh, yesterday. Uh, we got to pack the top 25 with as many teams as we can to try and get the respect that we all feel that this conference deserves. Now, granted, you got, you know, we, we touched on this last week where you got the teams at the top kind of separating themselves from the teams at the bottom. But, you know, if we can get six teams to where they're at least getting votes and getting some recognition as top 25 teams, I think that it's at some point you're going to have a real hard time arguing against this conference being recognized as a top conference in the nation. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you, of course, take a step back, and we've, we've talked about it a lot. The, the Big 12 seems like they have just one team still in the running with the chance to even, you know, make noise and get to the college football playoffs, and that is in Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those, those seasons where the door is open, and now the fact that Cincinnati is ranked as the number eight team, I know it's just in the AP poll, but the AP poll is what brings storylines, what, what brings highlights, what brings, you know, the, the eyeballs to you, if you will. So it's about the performance you do from here on out. Because if you saw this past week, I mean, you're looking at Clemson is just head and shoulders above the rest of the country. Alabama and Ole Miss was a thrilling game to watch when a lot of people said that Alabama should have just completely dominated Ole Miss from beginning to end. You saw some upsets, of course, you know, A&M in Florida. And then, of course, you know, a, a team like North Carolina, who is playing a Virginia Tech team without 15 players this past weekend, and all of a sudden that's a close game towards the end. It's, it's one of those where this season is completely up in the air. LSU lost again, and they're the returning yeah. champions, you know? I mean, granted, they are playing without a Joe Burrow, but that's now their second loss of the year. It's not yeah. too often you see returning champions coming out and, what, four games in? Right. Two losses to show for it. Yeah, and, and, and of course, I mean, not really the, uh, the luster surrounding it, but boy, oh, boy, that, that Texas-Oklahoma game was thrilling. That was a four-overtime thriller, and if you like college football – no matter who's playing, no matter what the records are, that was a great game to watch. But, you know, it, it just kind of seems like this season, outside of those top two, you know, maybe three if, if Ohio State comes out and just runs the table, it, it really does seem like that four slot is completely wide open. And, you know, if, if the SEC kind of beats each other up, which it looks like when Alabama was getting all they could handle from Ole Miss, it looks like it might be something that might happen, Arkansas – 
gave Auburn all they could handle. I mean, Georgia obviously looks like a really strong team, but it does seem like, Aaron, this is a season where the unthinkable could happen, but it takes Cincinnati taking that next step, and it starts this week at Tulsa, as we've already mentioned. Well, and let's not forget that number two Alabama plays number three Georgia this week. So depending on what kind of game that looks like, you could potentially see Georgia fall with the Cincinnati win over Tulsa. All of a sudden we're looking at, you know, potentially seven. Yeah. I, and I mean, I look at a North Carolina at Florida state, Florida state played two really good quarters against Notre Dame this past weekend at Notre Dame. I, you know, you're looking for a chance for, for Mike Norvell to have his, his biggest win of the young Florida State tenure if he's able to take down North Carolina when the Tar Heels come to town as the number five team in the country. And, you know, it's it's just all of those different things mixed in. Oklahoma State, only six-point favorites at Baylor this weekend. Chances to really hop and move up. And if Cincinnati's able to stream together those wins against that tough schedule, and then you really do have that marquee showdown down in Orlando, whether UCF has one loss or two losses, it's going to be a game with – a lot of eyeballs on it if Cincinnati is able to take care of business up until then. But, you know, it, it seems as if all of these games, obviously the heightened expectation, the, the heightened monitoring of Cincinnati Bearcat fans towards those is really what's going on. You look at the top 10, the top seven, and it seems like all those teams other than maybe the top three are kind of fickle. They can go one way or the other. Yeah. It's, it's just strange. Like, if you had told me last year this time that we'd be looking at a number eight ranking this far into the season before Ohio State had even played a single game, <laughs> I, first off, I would have told you you were crazy. But right. I don't know. I mean, it's – again, you have to play the schedule that's presented before you. And it's time and hopefully that we're, we're able to see some things coming out of this bye week with Coach Luke Fickle and the boys – doing some different things because as I've said, we've seen potential, like we've seen moments where Des looked like the guy. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I don't want this to be another let's beat up on Des session because he honestly, until he isn't the starter, he is who he is, but right. it's a matter of getting him in spots where he looks comfortable, where the offense looks comfortable and can start to resemble the level that the defense has been playing at. I agree. I agree. And, and like you said, it's going to be, Really interesting to see just kind of, you know, I, I like this this week away, you know, no no media coverage, no uh, no well, media allowed at practices, no, you know, midweek press conference with, with Luke Fickle. And that week away might be exactly what the team needs because although they are undefeated, although they are winning each game by the amount they should based off of, you know, spreads and, and, and different things of that sort, they're all – fans know there were some things that need to be tinkered with some things that need to be corrected. And I think that that's this week off is the perfect time for that. But Aaron time now Bearcats best bets. Got a couple games on the docket, a couple uh, AAC games. And of course we're going to take a look at the Bearcats as well at Tulsa four and a half is what I saw it at. You saw it at four. Start with that one. Take it away. You're looking at Cincinnati at Tulsa four points. The homer in me wants to say that we beat that. If I'm if I'm hammering it and you got to take one, they're the number eight team in the nation, man. Tulsa is not ranked. 
I'm saying take the over. You got to take the over. I'd be happy to walk out with a win either way, but I'm saying if you're the number eight team in the nation, you got to win by more than four. Take the over. Yeah, I I hear you. I I am taking the Bearcats at this one. Like you said, a little homer in me, but, uh, you know, they, they have won, what, six out of the last seven. The only loss was that one at Tulsa back in 2016. That was that overtime loss. A lot of people can remember that one. Uh, there was a different coach at that time. It might have been one of his final games. But not. And so, I, you know, it just seems like the, the players on this team also remember that game last year. Also remember how, how kind of lackadaisical they looked at times and took, kind of took that for granted. Let's not forget it's on ESPN, too, and so we are in a national spotlight. Right, right. I'm, I'm taking the Bearcats with four and a half. Might be a homer pick, as you mentioned. But honestly, if that's a spread they don't cover, I think they're losing the game. I, I think it's either a win and a spread or they lose, and I think they're winning the game. So that's my point of view on that one. Any other games really tickling your fancy? So <laughs> I'm looking at that Notre Dame game. And honestly, like, Notre Dame has kind of decimated everyone who's been in their way. Mm -hmm. And I see the spread as it stands right now at 16 over Louisville. Right. I think Notre Dame's going to – I think Notre Dame's going to beat them by more than 16. They're going to roll. I think you're going to see Notre Dame over Louisville at 20. And I don't don't really see that there's – it's – I wouldn't take the Clemson 27 and a half over Georgia Tech, but I, think I, but I think I'm comfortable taking Notre Dame 16 over Louisville. Yeah, and you've hit three in a row. So, hey, listen to old Aaron, huh? Listen to Aaron. But, okay, I'm, I'm going to pull out a little, little bit of roof. Little bit of roof. That's a dog. Is it it's a an bulldog? Underdog. Little underdog. Not, not the Georgia Bulldogs. Because <laughs> if you beat the Georgia Bulldogs, you're going to feel the bite, okay? But, no. I'm thinking underdogs, underdog city, underdog central. Bearcats go from the number eight team in the country with a win against Tulsa and a loss by both North Carolina and Oklahoma State. Bearcats propel themselves up, setting up a, a very <clears throat> feasty, you, feasty matchup against SMU. So I'm taking both North Carolina, I'm taking Florida State and the points, and I'm taking Baylor and the points. And I'm going to parlay the two with the money line. Whoa. Big boy money. Big boy money. It's probably not going to happen. But, hey, I live in a dream world, Aaron. I guess you. We're playing with house money. <laughs> we can go out there. <laughs> we can dream, man. We can dream. But, yeah, this is a big, big weekend where you could see a couple more upsets within the top ten. It's, it's not extremely far-fetched to look at those and think that. For fun, so, while we're, for fun while we're at it, you got number two against number three. The spread yeah. is five in Alabama's favor as it stands right now. Right. If you're calling one right now, who you got? I'm, uh, roll tie. I'm taking Georgia. They've got a good defense. They do. They I don't know good. that. I don't know that Georgia wins the game, but I'm giving Georgia the uh, the spread. I don't think Alabama beats them by five. Okay. Okay. So so we're both in agreement with the Bearcats. You were giving the the fans a, a nice tip of the cap to the Irish. The old luck of the Irish. Up there in South Bend, Louisville Cardinals. And then, of course, let's go Florida State and Baylor. Cheer on Mike Norvell. I hear but, you. you know, the greatest thing, Aaron, is 
if you are able to have wins and build success, a lot of that has to do with recruiting. Oh, you know. Real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Yes. Real quick. yes. Just, just something to think about for Saturday. I'm hearing it. It's my birthday. What? Uh-huh. You really think they're going to lose and ruin my birthday? And, and Do the players me, know that? I'll let them know Tuesday. <laughs> we'll be yeah. back around Tuesday. I'll, I'll make sure. I already right. know that Luke probably knows. I think he's got it marked on his calendar. There's no yeah, way. he probably does. He, I mean, as close as, as Luke and I are. Um, <laughs> Circle in a red pen. <laughs> Amy's probably already got the gift uh, yep. planned yep. out. <clears throat> to be delivered to the house Saturday morning. <clears throat> so it's my birthday. <clears throat> I'm just saying, you know, yep. it, they wouldn't do that. To, I just don't think they would do that to me right. on my birthday <laughs> to put me through the first loss of the season. Right. Have yeah. to, you know, it's a noon game. So right. then the entire rest of the day would just be uh, a bitch fest. Sorry, Dan, on the message board. Right. Um, you, the we, food they wouldn't taste worse. That the yeah. Can't be spoiled. I can't see that. I just can't see them doing that to me. I just, I you know, I can't. We need the Holy Grail popping on your birthday too. Yeah. And again, if you're going to be the number eight team in the nation, you got to show out. Be the number eight team in the nation. Yeah, on my birthday. On Chad's birthday. For How God's often? Sake. How often is my birthday on a Saturday? Once, Once every eight. five, six years? Yeah, it depends on the leap year. Right. So, I mean, this is a situation where you got to get the job done, fellas. Like, you got you to make this happen. This isn't you- optional. You're talking about the fate of my birthday in the balance. My birthday could be ruined by, like, 4 o'clock. I was going to say, do, do you have, like, what you're throwing on the grill if they win and what you're throwing on the grill if Ooh, they Oh, I like this. I like this question. Um, I, if they win, I will probably be in the mood to cook. If they lose, I will probably be in the mood to have someone bring me food. I'm drinking my calories tonight. Yeah, like, I mean, I, you know, like I said, a loss, and I'm going to have to deal with an unruly message board. Because, I, you know, I, I, you can't just walk away and let it go unsupervised, even though I'd love to sometimes. Um so I just don't think that they're they're in the business of wanting to ruin my birthday by four o'clock on Saturday. How often did you you know your birthday's hardly ever on a weekend, right? Right. Because of the leap year this year, I missed Friday. I didn't get a Friday birthday this cycle. Ooh. Ooh. So now I've got a Saturday birthday, and it just so happens that it happens to be a big game that's on ESPN two at noon, and I don't think that they would do that to me to ruin my birthday by four o'clock on Saturday. I, I just. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, it wouldn't be cool. It wouldn't be cool. The greatest part about it is a birthday on Saturday means that it starts Friday night. You've got well, to no, start going. He's it can't work. start Friday night because I got to get up early and be ready for the game Saturday. Well, obviously that, but a little bonfire, wait until midnight. That's when you get that first <laughs> special text, maybe from a guy named Brent Young. Maybe set, I'll set my alarm, give you a little... Hey, oh, yeah, because you'll, you'll, you'll be in bed at midnight <laughs> on a Friday night. Howdy, who? Happy birthday. Yeah. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, Brent, Brent's got to set an alarm to wake up at midnight on a Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> Party had yeah. emoji. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe in 30 years. Maybe in 30 years. But no, I have to behave on Friday night because I, I have to be on top of my game on Saturday morning 
to uh to to live tweet and discuss and plus the family's going to be gone saturday Ooh. uh horseback riding the wife and daughter are going horseback riding saturday wow. um so i'm gonna have to deal with the dogs like i've got to take care of my own lunch is that, um, is that a marinating. birthday present i'm hearing well not really because the game's going on so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be locked in i'm gonna be dialed in right right so right. i'm not gonna get to enjoy the empty house um <laughs> And they'll probably be back by about the time the game's over for dinner or whatever, you know. He still has to marinate, celebration, dinner. <laughs> Again, if they win, if they lose, somebody's bringing me dinner. Like, I, I'm not cooking mad. I can't wait the, to see the this food, live tweeted when it all goes down. The food is not as good mad, right? I'll wait until Sunday to cook whatever I have planned if they win, which they're, they're – <laughs> They're going to win. But if they lose, I'm not going to be that, – that, whatever steak or whatever I come up with to eat for dinner that night, yeah. it's going to taste like crap if they lose because I'm going to be in a bad mood. Can we, can we get, get a hold of Mike Norvell's phone number and, and remind him it's your birthday as well? I feel like, I feel like Mike could, could do us a little favor that, down there in a, you know, Seminole country. I feel like it maybe help us out a little bit. He probably knows too. I mean – kind of a big deal like i'm sure they're aware of the yeah. situation right so i mean i don't think i need to remind anybody um i might remind luke tuesday like it's my birthday don't don't fuck it up sorry dan it's two <laughs> cuss words in one one brief appearance but Boom. i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna let luke know you know there's a lot right my, my happiness is riding on the outcome saturday and yeah. he he needs to know that <laughs> you know what and also my happiness too because if if things go sour i'm i'm gonna i'm not even gonna text you happy birthday i'm, I'm gonna pretend like the day didn't even exist chad just get we'll them just, early <laughs> if they lose we're probably just gonna move my birthday to sunday like i'm well, just you know i'm gonna call an audible at the line you know but but the Bengals play the colts ah i, mean, I, that's I don't care about that but <laughs> Like, as you guys know, I watch the Bengals as a comedy, not a drama. So I don't get emotionally invested on whether they win or lose. Well but, uh, but in an old school film, comedies are supposed to end with a good, you know, have a good ending to it. So not necessarily. There's lots of comedies that end with awkward endings. They just make you laugh. Oh, good point. Okay. It, I, that's the, the breakup. Uh, you know, would, I, the breakup might be the best example of that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more about getting my laughs in. Uh, as opposed to and like they haven't been much like they haven't even been much of a comedy to watch this year because you just feel bad for Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like watching him get his ass beat every game, you're kind of like, we knew this was going to happen to this kid. Like, right. You feel bad for him. I mean, he should have picked UC, and they, you know, things would have been different. No, it would have been I way know. different. He wouldn't be the number I one know. draft pick. You don't know that. He could have came in and lit it up here. And, no. and maybe would he'd that, have been the number four draft pick and he wouldn't have gone to Cincinnati. With, with that receiving core? The, he threw people open. Yeah, all right. I'll give you that. Yeah, it's, I it's, mean, I'm, it's, just, I'm just messing around. It's like a rom-com, you know, where, like, the, the main character tries so hard, but he's just down on his luck. But normally at the <laughs> end, normally at the end, he gets, he gets the girl. So, you know what? Normally. Like normally. We'll see what happens. And the rom-com is your thing. 
just straight comedy is my thing. Like that's okay. I, I don't I don't watch the Bengals as a rom com. I watch <laughs> them as a comedy. Like there's a there's an extra three yeah. letters in there that changes the dynamic. If I was watching them as a rom com, that would be yes. kind of weird. Like I, that's a weird way to watch a foot. That, that's a weird mentality to watch. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a I'm a weird guy. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> there's especially, no especially question. Especially on Sundays. That's when the loopiness comes out. There's, there's no question on that. All right, back to your regularly scheduled program. But I'm just saying, if you're betting the Bearcats, keep in mind, it is my birthday. And, you know, they should be aware, and hopefully things will go well. Public service announcement. We'll make sure that it's, it's spread loud and clear. Bye, Appreciate Dad. that. Bye. <laughs> Well, you know, and Aaron, I'm excited to uh, next Sunday, if, if all things go well, on the BBP, we'll, we'll test out both of our pipes and see uh, see how good we can do singing happy birthday, a belated happy birthday to uh, to Mr. Chad. You, it'll be better than that, but we had a chance to uh, really, really show the crowd how great of singers we are. Some of us shine in that, in that regard, I promise. I'll carry you. Don't you worry. I'll, I'll carry you. I got Gosh, you. I'm excited. I am so excited. All right. But now, moving on. As I was saying, a victory against Tulsa happens large in part because of the great talent that is recruited. That means it's our time to, to dive into what the recruits did, a little, little recruit, recruit recap, if you will. And the craziest thing right now, Aaron, is so Cincinnati has played three games, right, mm-hmm. heading into their fourth game of the season. Yes, sir. The class of 2021 from the state of Ohio, they're in the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> we can't even win a game! <laughs> but the playoffs. And how about a playoff performance by none other than Brian Threats? Now, I know he wants to come in and play defense, and he has that mentality where he wants to go and hit people, but we're talking 13 carries. 225 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns. Say it again. What? Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five rushing touchdowns. One reception for 50 yards, and yet again, another touchdown. Another one. Another one. That's six total touchdowns. I don't care if you are playing, you know, literally a peewee team. That is – a phenomenal stat line to put up in the playoffs, right? Of a PTP right there in the playoffs, right? Yes, in the playoffs. Doing it on the big stage. That's that's a good thing to see. And his team won. I would yes. hope so with that many touchdowns with one player. They'll move on to the next round, and I'm sure he's going to do another 15 carries, 150 yards, and four touchdowns. But a great win for. Dublin Kaufman and Brian Threatsy is really tearing it up. Really one of the better – a lot of people from the Toledo area keep on saying he's, he's the best high school player they've seen come through that – pardon me, out, out of the Columbus area, Dublin area. One of the best high school players they've seen come through the area and in a long time. It's great, great to see that. You keep looking down. You know, Luke Collinsworth at East Central, big win. Mayo Glenn, Walnut Hills, they had to go up against a tough St. X team. They did lose in the first round of the playoffs, but they still have a couple games added in because of the late start for them. So they have a couple just, just 
throwing games to kind of wrap up the season. Uh, Issa Jarman was on a bye this past week. How about Jack Dingle? Yet again, back-to-back weeks of leading the team in tackles. Yet again, the family heritage going through there. You're looking at a player that is is really going to be a, a chance to really shine at the next level at the linebacker position. He's a really good player. Seven tackles to lead the team in a 40 to nothing win against Ballard. And I know we've mentioned it before, but just to say it again, for those who haven't heard, he's a legacy player, correct? Yes, correct. So he's doing right by his family name, and that's all you can really hope for in a, in a, in a kid like that. Brother on the team, dad was a goat back in the day. And how about Mr. Joe, Joe, Joe Johnson? Joe, Joe Johnson. Aaron, read, uh, read Joe Joe's little stat line for us real quick. It, it, was, it was something that wasn't too many catches, but it ended up being pretty good. 105 yards, two catches, two touchdowns. You know what? Not a bad day in the office, huh? I mean, you got to make the, your touches worth something, and he did just that. And you, and you go ahead and check out the written version of the Bearcat Bounce coming out on Tuesday night. His highlight, one of his highlights, one of his receptions, literally was like a little three-yard pass that he probably ran 120 yards total, just completely flipped the field, turned on the Jets for the score. That's a big-time player and, and one to, that can really help out that receiving corpse again as the seasons go on or, you know, whether he plays – he plays defense as well at the high school level. So, you know, obviously a great, great player. Miles Montgomery with another big game on the ground. One of those hidden gems down in Florida, 150 yards and two touchdowns. Caleb Schmitz, you know, we mentioned him a lot. He's a player that is really working on his route running at the tight end position. He could play safety. He could play linebacker. He could play tight end for the Bearcats. He is all over the field. Now, Leroy Bowers and, and Princeton, they, they win. They're moving on to the next round. And how about that? Six tackles in a sack from the safety position, Aaron. It's an, again, just another nice day at the office. And at the end of the day, one of the common themes, as it's been week after week as we go over these kids, win, 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 win. Now, granted, you did mention Mayo Glenn had the, had the L. But outside of that, I'm looking up and down this, this list of players. Win, 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 win. <laughs> win, win, win. Landon Fickle. Moeller, they have had a down season, but they get the win. They advance to the next round in the playoffs against St. X. And then, of course, the Godfather, Dante Corleone. Five tackles, two sacks for the big fella, and a win for Colerain. I mean, the Godfather, he's going to put the Keisters in the seats when they allow fans back into the games. You know, it, he, is, he's gonna, he is a ready bowling ball cannonball that can go in and play immediately at the next level. He might not have to. He might be thrown into it. But, man, that is a, a kid that's putting up some big-time stats with one of the better names, nicknames, in, in all high school football, I would say. I, I mean, my dad went to Coleraine, so he's doing my, my dad's high school proud. Hey, that's, that is what we like to hear. But, yeah, it, of course, there seems to be some some other names floating around as far as who are going to be some some upcoming commits for the Bearcats? I I have you know followed closely. I'm sure Drew Tuckfarber will be touching on more players to keep eyes on. Of course, Chad Brendel as well. Keep eyes on these players, whatnot, this, that, and the other. I know Steve Wiltfong recently put up a an article about Marcus Allen, who's kind of talks about Virginia 
and Cincinnati, the big-time wide receiver. And, of course, as you see on social media, it just seems like those Cincinnati commits are really they, – they become – they're recruited to the recruiter almost at the drop of the hat. So, you know, Marcus Allen, recent article out on him, wide receiver. So, I'd, I'd say continue to, to lock into that. But, Aaron, for the first time on the BBP – Oh, wait. I got to interrupt another end of a segment. Ready. Not, no, no, nothing newsworthy at this point, but I'm hearing some rumblings. It could be getting close to decision time for Cam Jr. Woo! Linebacker out of Middletown. Um, I think this one's coming down to Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Um, Boo that whole city. <laughs> agreed. Their defense has been pretty good this year, but uh, – I do think that uh, I, I don't know which way it is leaning yet. Right. But I do get the sense that that one could be um, getting close to the home stretch. I, I, I don't know exactly when. Right. Uh, hopefully by this time next week, I'll have a better answer on when that decision might be coming. And, gun to your, gun Chad, to your head, what remember? do you say? Aaron, what was that? I was just saying, gun to your head, what do you say, Chad? I, I don't know. I, I don't have a great feel yet, but I, I mean, I know this is one, especially the recruits. You mentioned the recruits recruiting. Yeah. Yep. They've spent a lot of time on Gam Jr. Yes. Um, I do think Pitt is going to be a, a challenge here. Um, I'm hoping as, you know, things play, and I don't know that it's going to be this week, next week, like right. in the immediate future. I just, I just am getting some rumblings that it could be at least, uh, starting to wind down to the point where he's making a decision between a couple choices. Right. Um, Just another one you've got to beat Tulsa, though. I mean, I don't see Pittsburgh yeah. in the top 25. Just right. <laughs> so um, just a little bit of insider recruiting information there. Not a lot, but I do think that one is at least uh, the finish line is in sight. Not quite there, but you can see it off in the distance. And hopefully by this time next week, at the end of the recruiting segment, right. I'll have a little better uh, feel for when the answer is coming. That's and, what I can give you there. And, you know, his, his tape is tape that pops. He is, yeah. he is a stud at linebacker. I, you know, I, yeah. And I kind of look at it like you said. It, it is one that the recruits, you can just tell that this was made a priority. All the recruits are reaching yeah. out to him. Some of the guys I still stay in contact with, I, I texted them during the time, and they were like, we are trying our hardest for, for camp. <laughs> well, so. I mean, and you add him into um, David Jones and Jaheim Thomas yep. and Deshaun Pace, and that, that pipeline, Brody Engel, who was Ty Van Fossen, some younger guys that are starting to make a name for themselves. Yep. Um, that pipeline at linebacker, all of a sudden, you start to feel a little bit more confident about how linebacker looks long-term. So um, yeah. hopefully it, it, the, as it winds down, things trend towards the Bearcats. I don't know that for sure yet. Uh, but like I said, I'm just hearing that the finish line is at least uh, – you can see it off in the distance. That's all. Carry on. Thank you very much, Chad. Thanks, Dad. Cam Jr. Love that name. Love his game. Would, would be a joy to add to the 2021 class. But Aaron. Yes, sir. Bearcat bounce basketball time. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I've not really ha had, had the opportunity to speak with you about the great game of round ball, a little basketball. 
what are your just over overall general opinion on the team? Just, you know, quick thoughts on it. And then we'll dive into some of the storylines that have really been scorching the greater city of Cincinnati and the uh, Twitter sphere and Bearcat Journal. If I'm, if I'm going to give you my, my rough assessment here, um, we're going into John Brandon year two. Yep. Coach JB year two. Um, I love what he's building here in Cincinnati. Uh, there's not much left of what was Mick Cronin's team at this point uh, between transfers out and transfers in and freshmen coming in, um, guys graduating. Um, I love the culture that we're building here. Uh, I think Mick started it, and I think it just took a little it – needed, it needed a change as far as having an offensive mind here as we, we pretty, had, pretty much had a defensive team for so long. Don't right. get me wrong. There was a lot of success, but I'm looking to see – Coach JB built on that first year of success as we did. We, we were crowned uh, American champions. And mm-hmm. obviously COVID kind of slighted what could have been a, a run as this team was built for a March run. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it took a while for the, some of the guys to buy into the system. Um, you know, Trey Scott was buying in from the beginning. Great leader. We're going to miss his leadership. Um, that said, you got a lot of guys coming in here now um, between – how many how many transfers and freshmen now? I, I got to think we're yeah. at about yeah. three three quarters of the team. I, I think the only carryovers at this point are what Keith Williams and uh, Chris Vote. Yeah, well, Chris Vote. Chris Vote came with Coach J. Oh yeah. From oh, you, you mean the yeah? It's, yeah. It's, it's just Mamadou and Keith Williams. Do happy, happy now late. it is Dada do <laughs> happy Dada. late birthday. Yeah, happy late birthday and uh, the all. Oh, I, I, also, the birth of his uh, his child to Mamadou. Dadadou. But uh, Gosh, Aaron, think about Mamadou with dad strength. Oh, baby. <laughs> so no, I mean it's it's going to be very interesting though to see uh, what Coach JB has up his sleeve for year two. As you see, he I mean, Chad had a lengthy discussion with Coach JB this week on Bearcat Journal, and uh, you know we we're able to see kind of the ins and outs of what it's taken to build this season as far as a schedule goes, as far as a culture goes, when you're not able to be face to face Mm -hmm. with these guys. And, and honestly, you know, I know one of the things that you wanted to get into, you got teams like Xavier kind of trying to throw an okie doke and everything instead of having a, (laughs) instead of having your normal home and home, they're like, Oh no, it's fine. Nobody's taking money this year. We'll just be at Xavier next year. (laughs) What are you doing, man? So, I mean, it's there's a lot of wrenches being thrown, and it sounds like, you know, Coach JB just t- really taking it a day at a time. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned that that podcast where you could obviously tell, you know, John was doing his best to give you his, his thoughts and his feelings without revealing too much about the team. You know, clearly he let you know that the assistant coaches are looking in great shape and they're, they're really practicing hard, but – that's just the coaching staff. So uh, thank you for that. However hard Chad and Justin tried to really pry some news out of him. He, he was very, very close lipped on that. But I love some of the quotes. I, you know, one of my favorite quotes coming from it was, you know, I come from a saying that average coaches have slogans, good coaches have plays, great coaches have systems. I mean, that's a, that is like a John Wooden book type quote right there. And, <laughs> 
then he went real quick to make sure he did not call himself a great right, coach yet. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm not I'm not saying I'm a great coach, but that's what we're <laughs> aspiring to be. But you yeah. know, the it's it's his system that he really wants to instill. And I feel I feel so bad for him, man. I mean, you look at last year, obviously, one of the wildest roller coasters of a season. I mean, I I'm not gonna lie. If if I was a, a fantastic writer, uh, a novelist, if you will, I would take that 2019 2020 season and just write a story about it that is like a crazy storybook but the ending is left to be unwritten as my good friend Natasha Bedingfield once said the rest is still unwritten this year could be a chance to extend that yeah oh you're laughing Uh, Natasha my girl uh, (laughs) the rest is still unwritten but yeah, I, I liked a lot of what JB said, I, as you mentioned. You know, one of the things that he also mentioned was that he really takes everything according to his system as far as scheduling goes, as far as recruiting goes, as far as, you know, every single step along the way of the program. It all has to do with the system. And when it comes to scheduling, he is so analytical. He wants to break down everything as far as, you know, what games will help most win or even sometimes loss to help them make the tournament, help them make that end goal of the NCAA tournament. But right now it's just, everything's in flux. There's no true answers to the questions. And we start to saw, start, start to see Twitter rumblings of, of, you know, the whole Orlando bubble and, and it's Gonzaga, TCU, Houston, Auburn, you know, no Cincinnati involved in there as was once thought of, but now it's, you know, you take a step back and you say, well, John Brandon is so calculated. He is so analytical. He, he, he is probably has something already in the mix that he is able to step back and see, Hey, this, these set of games will actually help us a lot in building up a resume to make the NCAA tournament. Again, it's kind of one of those situations where, especially this year, um, you know, whatever was in place, just kind of throw it all out the window and you just have to play the schedule that's in front of you. I know it's cliche at this point. I've said it, I think about seven times on this podcast alone, but it it simply is what it's going to be this year, period. So you just have to make the best of who's in front of you. I'm looking at you, especially Memphis, Houston, um, you know, Wichita state or whatever's going on in Wichita state, man. So, uh, does he still have a job right now, by the way? Yeah, he, he does. But, dude, if, did you watch that highlight of him getting thrown out of that exhibition game at McGill University up in Canada? I, I mean, I've, I feel like I got lost in Wichita State Twitter for a minute this week, dude, and it's dark. Dude, watch, watch that. Watch the highlight. Someone posted it on, on the Bearcat Journal Wichita State thread. Yeah. Yo, that – that is the worst retaliation reaction I have ever seen from coach or player. Like it, he looked like he was going to straight fight these officials. And, and like love, it's an exhibition game. I just love that it's not even just him, but it's apparently also a family thing with yes. his wife as his well. Mom is a, his, his, not his mom. His wife is a loon. She came to <laughs> Indianapolis and tried to just completely take over the entire city. So she was, she's horrible. Just trying to get back on track, though. 
Um, you just have to play the teams that are in front of you. And, you know, maybe it's a Xavier this year. Maybe it's not because they're playing by Xavier's rules. And apparently their rules are all that matters. So I don't know what's going to happen this year. It doesn't sound like John Brandon honestly knows what's going to happen this year. I'm not sure if the NCAA knows what's going to happen this year. All I know is we're looking at potentially 20 games this season, I think is going to be a roller coaster, probably even more so than football. Cause at least with football, you have, you know, X amount of weeks and you had to try and get 10 games into roughly 15 weeks. So you could still reschedule after a couple, you know, get, get some testing going, get people done, move on to the next week, reschedule the following week. Basketball is going to be a little bit harder because a, you have more games, B you got more travel because you have more games. So it's going to be, I think, a bit more of a roller coaster. I think you're going to see some teams finish playing, you know, maybe 15, 16 games, and some teams finishing with 20, maybe 21, 22 games. Who knows? It's going to be a mess, though. I'll just add a thought there. You also have to deal with the fact that contact tracing in basketball. The whole team. Can wipe out. I mean, we saw saw a, a, a very small deal at UC last weekend turn into five missing guys. Right. An 11, 12 man roster in basketball misses five guys. That's tough to come back from. Yeah. For I mean, two weeks, for 10 days to two weeks. Like that. Also, also the whole it's team. It's not great. The whole team, they're right next to each other, too, in basketball. You're not talking about position groups that are, you know, separate sides of the field, different places, blah, 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 and then roommates, things like that. Basketball. You're you're riding buses together. Mm-hmm. You're you're doing everything together, plays together. So yeah, you know the the uh, maximum amount of games you can schedule is 27. The you know October 15th is when Cincinnati is going to start practicing this upcoming week. October 14th is when you can officially start practice. And you know John talked about how he wants it to to you know have the players bring that energy. For the start of the season, remember John's the one that, you know, last year, the, the Bearcat Madness, the Midnight, Midnight Madness made its triumphant return. So I'm sure he's got some sort of thing figured out. But, you know, Aaron, you kind of touched on it. Now, I was born in Cincinnati, raised in Cincinnati, moved to Indianapolis, and I still circle the Crosstown shootout. Mm-hmm. I still eat Skyline Chili every Crosstown shootout. I love Skyline Chili, and I love the Crosstown Shootout. You mentioned that. So all, all these – I understand that everyone is different. I understand that they're going to say that this game doesn't matter. You know, it's just another game on the schedule, blah, blah, blah. But for me personally, this game means – it does truly mean a little bit more than all the other ones. I mean, it's bragging rights. You know, we, we joke around and we say things like Norwood University or – there's only one team that wears Cincinnati and all of those things are true. However, uh, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to see a, a game like this. Just, I feel like Xavier's kind of taken advantage of the situation is, is right. really what it comes down to. Granted, like it is what it is. And the year happens to fall in a year at Cincinnati, but are you just going to really disregard the fact that there's no currently as things stand right now, no fans allowed in the stands and you're just going to have the game and pretend that it's just a, that's Cincinnati's year and we'll go back to Xavier next year. Come on, man. Like, it just seems like a petty yeah. thing to do. It doesn't seem like a, if you're really interested in a fair shake at this as far as finances go, that that's really the thing to do. 
and you'd hope they'd play nice. And, you know, if they, if the shoe was on the other foot, that Cincinnati would kind of give them the same type of respect and regard. But that's my two cents. And as I, and I quote, and I quote, Aaron, when this started, we had empathy and compassion for everybody involved, trainers, athletic trainers, coaches, players. If we start allowing competitiveness to get in front of empathy and compassion, then we are frauds. You guys know me well enough that our program is not going to be like that. You know what? From the man himself, John Brandon, I, I, I think that everyone involved, all around college basketball, all around the country, needs to remember, hey, yes, sure, college basketball season is fast, is, is quickly approaching. But still, these are still trying times. This crazy thing is still upon us. People oh. are still trying to figure it out. Understand that and, and kind of come to an agreement on certain things. You don't have to always be right. You don't have to always be the winner. You don't have to always win every single back and forth when it comes to this. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, I think the game will happen. I think they'll figure something out. I think it's too much of a, of a, you know, historic thing between the two teams, two programs for it to just vanish for the one year. And I know I've seen on Twitter, it kicked around, go play at a neutral site, go play at NKU, go play at the Coliseum, you know, and if you have to do something like that, just so both teams get a fair shake at it. So be it. Who cares, man? Like just again, if the shoe was on the other foot, I'd hope that Cincinnati would have the same regard. Yeah, so so things will really start to pick up in that dynamic, I think. And, you know, I think it was also great in the pod to see because I know the entire, you know, BCJ people have been – all the followers have really been kind of on on their toes, a little, a little tense about the basketball recruiting and, and lack of signees in the class of 2021. It's great to see that John really laid it out there, how hard they look into recruiting, how meticulous they are as far as – making sure that they not only do you fit the program as a great player, but you fit the program as a great person. You fit the culture that they're trying to, to bring up. You know, I, I love that they say on film, you can see that they're good players or if they're not good players, but you can't see what they do on the end of the bench. You can't see what they do during timeouts. You can't see how they act after the game. You know, I, I think all that is really important to see if you are able to build a winning culture, then the wins will follow with that. So I think that that was awesome to hear from him as well. And I'm just excited for, for practice to come. I, you know, it is, they, they tease us a little bit with a little video of the team at a workout, you know, last week, but boy, I'm just excited for practice to come excited for the buzz to continue to build around the program, especially while coach Luke Fickle has the football team currently number eight in the country. Aaron, it's a good time to be a Bearcat. You're not wrong, man. Absolutely. It's just, there's a lot of good things happening in the city right now outside of football. Um, You know, the Reds made the playoffs. That was a big improvement from where it's been. Um, And as you were saying that, as far as, uh, you know, what you can't see on the bench and all that, reminded me of the thing Zach Taylor talked about when, I mean, I know the Bengals are not good right now. Um, But one of the things he said about when he was trying to draft guys is he was going after captains that were captains on their college teams. And that's just kind of, it, it sounds like the same type of culture mentality, system mentality that Coach JB's doing, and that we've already seen Luke Fickle implementing. So it's, it's just a good thing to see all around. No doubt about that. Well, I, I think we about uh, dominated the podcast. I, you know, we're, we're going to dive in. Aaron, we're going to dive in a little bit more 
about the, the basketball team as a whole closer to the beginning of the season. Hopefully November 25th. Hopefully the opponent comes out weeks before that. <laughs> I'm sure John Brandon and the whole team hope so as well. But November 25th is that target date. Black Wednesday is what they call it, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I don't know if Cincinnati celebrates it, but I tell you what, it's the craziest night in downtown Indianapolis, uh, Black Wednesday. But I will be in Florida for that, so I'm excited to usher in college basketball, and we will have a podcast for that. Uh, more about the team when that ages closer. But you know what? This was fun tonight. Any uh, Anything before we close it all down? Go back and listen to the hammer of the best bets, the, the Bearcats' best bets. I'm telling you what, man. I think I think I got I, I got a knack for this. We'll, we'll see how next week looks, but I'm I'm telling you, feel, it's feeling good again. I'm gonna ride the Aaron Smith bandwagon. <laughs> I'm gonna ride it, and and you know what else? You know what else I'm gonna do? Hammer the Bearcats on Chad Brendel's birthday. Receipts or it doesn't count. I'll send the invoice to the birthday boy. <laughs> That's how it'll work. But another great pod here. Of course, if you guys have any questions, any concerns, anything, reach out to Aaron or myself. But another fantastic pod. And again, for my partner, budding friend, Aaron Smith, I am Brent Young for the Bearcat Bounce podcast here on Real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. I do want to send out some thoughts and prayers to our buddy Justin Berg. Yes, yes. His wife had an accident in their home. She has a long recovery ahead of her. They have an infant and a toddler. And I know everybody here has been a big fan of having Berg in the Bearcat Journal family, go to my Twitter. Um, you can help out with their GoFundMe. More importantly, just keep him and his family in your thoughts and prayers. Because Berg, uh, I've been working with him now for about five years. And he's he's as good as people get. And to hear what happened to his family today uh, messed me up pretty bad. Like, it just it sucks. Yeah. Having gone through some adversity ourselves uh at least you know and, and his wife's going to get a chance to fight um right. but having something like that happen i just I, I couldn't even fathom what they're going through so uh you know just keep them in your thoughts keep them close if you can help help out uh but but most importantly just you know Keep Berg on your mind because that's they're they're good people and they've got a young family and there's nothing worse than seeing something like that that happen to to good people. So I just wanted to add that at the end. Yeah, I, you know, and I can't speak for Berg because I never had the you know opportunity to meet him, but just the way that people talk about him at the games, the way that all the other media members really you know ask where he is, how's Berg been doing, this, that, and the other. You just know that. Fantastic person, fantastic family as well. Huge Bearcat fan, obviously. So, you know, and and this is another chance, Chad, as as we've seen throughout all these trying times, that the Bearcat family goes beyond just cheering for the red and black. Yeah. And it's times like these where it's just so blatantly obvious that it's it's a close knit community. 
and one that can really, really get a lot done when you band together. So, you know, thoughts and prayers to uh, Justin Berg and his family. And, you know, you said it the best yourself. There's the, and this is no shot at shot at you, no shot at Justin, no shot at anybody else in the market. There's nobody that does better, produces better writing, produces better content on the Bearcat basketball beat than Justin Berg. Right. And, um, yeah, it, my, my heart breaks for him and his family. Yeah. So not to end things on a terrible note, but um, hopefully it ends up being uplifting because, you know, Berg, you know, Berg is a very good friend and seeing this really, really sucks. So yeah. hold them close and uh, let's, all, let's all lift them up and help take care of them best as we can. Good vibes and positivity. Yes, sir. T's and P's, man. Tell it like it is, Gino. Good vibes only. Good vibes. Good vibes. All right. All right. Yep, that's the – you know what? Quite the contrary, Chad. Thank you for butting in and saying that. That's uh, that's, that's actually a great way to end the pod. So, for uh, Chad Brendel, Aaron Smith, Brent Young, that was the BBP here on BCJ, BearcatJournal.com. Thank you.